You're now listening to The Electrical Current, a podcast series brought to you by the independent electrical contractors. Welcome to the IEC National Podcast Series, The Electrical Current. I'm your host for the show, IEC National CEO, Spencer Vilwalk. During this podcast series, we will talk with folks throughout America that help to make the electrical and systems contracting industry truly great. Today, our featured guest is Bob Wilkinson. Bob has served as the Executive Director for IEC Texas Gulf Coast in Houston since 1989, growing the chapter to the largest membership chapter of IEC in the country. Prior to IEC, Bob served in the U.S. Navy and was a licensed electrician for a number of years. He has been very active in the industry and his community for decades, but instead of me trying to tell you all about it, let's hear from Bob himself as we kick off the IEC podcast interview with Bob Wilkinson. Bob, welcome to the Electrical Current. Thank you, Spencer. Great. Well, how are you today, sir? I'm doing fine. And what would you, would you like to know? Oh, hey, everything, everything. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll, just, I'll tell you what my story is in the electrical industry. I started yeah. out in 1963 when I was 15 years old as a summer helper uh, mm-hmm. when, when I was out of school. Uh-huh. I worked uh, as a uh, summer helper until I graduated from uh, high school, and I, I was uh, went in the Navy, and uh, uh, I became an electrician mate in the Navy. I mm-hmm. rose through the rank of second-class electrician mate, which is like a sergeant, E-5. Mm-hmm. After I made three Westpac cruises off the Vietnam for mm-hmm. nine months, I picked up Apollo 11 and 12, and my brother really? was with me on the uh, when we re- uh, recovered Apollo 11 and 12. We had brothers wow. together. And no he kidding. got out after that. Wow! Wow! I did not know that. That's fantastic. So what? What we that was like the late 60s, early 70s that you were serving there, right? Is that right? Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, went in from 68 to 72, but uh, okay. Apollo 11 and uh, 12 were 1969. Apollo right. 11 landed on the moon July the 20th, 1969. 1969, right? Right. And wow. We were, we were down on the Hornet by the equator waiting to pick it up. Yeah. What What was that experience like? I mean, oh, you know, it was interesting. Yeah. I mean, uh, I can imagine. Yeah, and they had, uh, you know, we had that uh, mobile quarantine unit on there because when they mm-hmm. they didn't know what they were going to be bringing back. Right. And then right. Uh, Admiral McCain, who was the father of uh, Senator John McCain, was the commander mm-hmm. of the Chief of the Pacific Fleet at that time, uh-huh. and he he and Richard Nixon flew on board and welcomed the astronauts back. And As we they were coming back. back. Wow. Yeah, my brother and I were standing out behind them when they were doing that. No kidding, no kidding. Yeah, can, can you see it in your mind's eye, just clear as day, like it was. Uh, well, I got you know? I got a book. <laughs> yeah. Shows me all that stuff. No kidding. Anyway, I got back uh, from the Navy in 1972. Immediately went back to work as electrician. Uh, mm-hmm. I got my journeyman's license in '73, and uh, and I got my master's license in '78. Mm-hmm. I went into business as a union contractor mm-hmm. in 1979, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, February of '79, and I found out that uh, union contractor was not – I had been a union electrician before, mm-hmm. but uh, I didn't realize how dysfunctional they were. Mm-hmm. So uh, I did that for a couple of years, and then I, I uh, dropped out of the union, went open mm-hmm. shop, mm-hmm. and that's when I joined the IEC in 1983. 83. Well, yeah. I, I knew most everybody in uh, the, the trade, both union and non-union at that time. So mm-hmm. when I got uh, joined, they – Immediately elected me to the board and made me the national delegate for the board of directors. Wow! Wow! For national. Yeah. And I was I was 35 at the time. 35 years old. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. That's amazing. And anyway, I 
did that until uh, I say it was 87, 88. I went out of business because I uh, couldn't collect from uh, everybody down here. Mm-hmm. And the board of directors offered me the job as an uh, executive director. They didn't really have enough money for me to do it. They had enough for glass unless I built it up. So yeah. I went from 35 members to 80 members in less than 90 days. Less than 90 days. Yeah. Less than 90 days. And it, it was really a, a make it or break it uh, opportunity that they gave you, wasn't it? Yeah, I didn't have a choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how how did you? What how did you? You know, you, you obviously you you succeeded at doing that because we're sitting here talking today. And again, you're you're the largest membership chapter of IEC in the country. What you know? How did you do it? What did you do that on day one once you once you accepted well, that position and that challenge? I started calling people uh, regularly, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't take no for an answer, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I call them over again. I was nice to them, but I kept trying to get them to join. And uh, JC yeah. yeah. Birch was one of the hardest. And hell, I got him in there, and uh, he ended up getting on the board and becoming president. You know, so <laughs> wow, uh, wow. It's just uh, persistence. You know, Absolutely. Uh, you have you have to talk to them more than once. Right, right, right. And and yeah, you know, it's it's. What's interesting about it too is, I mean, IEC is it's not like we're we're selling a product or or um, a, a widget, you know, so to speak. We're selling we're selling the opportunity for business enhancement, business growth, and we're selling a lot of value back to the Well, businesses. it's also uh, the people we, we represent them, uh, you know, like it's in state, locally, and nationally for yeah. their best interest, whether it be at the federal level, the state level, or, or the local level. They yeah. have to have somebody that collectively inter- uh, represents them. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's and right. I mean, and some of this stuff, the apprenticeship program is vital, but we also have the manpower assistance. Like we have a shared man program. We have mm-hmm. an application service. We have about 40 people a day come here and fill out an application for employment. Right. And that, that's something that uh, is about value to every contractor. Absolutely. We also, we also uh, offer contract law, labor law, lien law, and mm-hmm. uh, Project management and estimating classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're getting ready to start up again with our foreman's classes. We had a lag there for a while, but we're going to we're in the process of working on that. We also mm-hmm. offer continuing education to over four thousand uh, students a year. We Every have year. a wow. thousand students in the apprenticeship program, and then we also have uh, like con- uh, motor control labs and uh, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, PLCs, those things mm-hmm. that we offer to contractors, so he can bring his people up to snuff. We also mm-hmm. have safety classes that we offer to uh, some of our associate members. That's terrific. That's terrific. And it's really, you work to then fulfill the needs and the demands of the electrical contractor. You know, we try to at every all, step. Uh, every step of the way. Every step of the way. That's terrific. That's terrific. And the, those folks that are in the IEC network, you know, we, we know that um, – that you know, there, that there's there's a variety of different sizes of chapters out there, but I think you know one of the one of the pieces and the takeaways in, in this particular instance too is is that you had a a very uh, modest sized chapter that you inherited and focused on growth to be able to get up to a critical mass of, of contractors to sustain that chapter's growth, which then enabled you to be able to then expand and bring on further value adds classes and and you know the you know, the uh, shared manpower program. Um, all those different value adds back to the contracting industry. So, truly, truly amazing, Bob. Truly amazing. Well, I think that uh, any chapter has to get to a certain size before it can really mm-hmm. provide all the core competencies that we mm-hmm. can provide through national. 
And right. if you have to grow up to the point where you can have more than just one person trying to provide that, because it's right. hard for one person to do everything. You bet. You bet. That's it's just a, that's a human capacity issue. It's, it's, if you're a team of one, you can only, you know, it, the rope is, is pulled and tugged when uh, when you start and stop. And um, that growth is, is important to be able to bring on yeah, additional hands to the table and additional talent to be able to then serve those contractors. But that's that's terrific. That's terrific. Now, now, and you you did you grow up in the Houston area? Is that right? Yeah, I was born in Houston, May the first, nineteen forty-eight. Yep, May first, May first. Wow, May Day, May Day, baby. Yeah, my dad was born in Brenham, Texas, but he moved to Houston, and uh, uh, he was born in uh, June the twelfth of nineteen twenty. And he mm-hmm. became an electrician when he went to the Navy in 1937. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, your father, your father was also an electrician. That's true. Yeah, he went in when he was 17 years old. He graduated from high school at 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, wow. He wow. had 50, 50 years with IBW. Yeah. yeah. Now, do you think that that's where your inspiration to to uh, get into the electrical trade came from was was from your father and your family? Yeah, well, I was working with my dad uh, mm-hmm. when we were young. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I started working, like I say, when I was fifteen years old. So, yeah, I yeah. kind of that's the only job I ever knew. Understood, understood. It, well, it's it's similar to uh, I, I grew up in the in the contracting industry as well, and started working summers for my father's business at, at fourteen years old, and uh, it's it teaches you a lot. It teaches you a lot about uh worlds, the business, um also also the, the father son dynamic too, you know, you <laughs> as you're a teenager, yeah, you, you um you gain a different level of, of relationship and understanding from that, which I think was very important. Uh, well later on, uh mm-hmm. my dad uh he had another friend and uh his son worked for my dad and I worked for his for his friend. So we didn't work for our father later on. Is that right? Kind of yeah, yeah because Sometimes it's a little too close to home in a way, isn't it? Um, yeah, sometimes. Yep, yep. And your brother, your brother that was also served in the Navy with you, did was he an electrician? No, uh, okay. he's, a, he's a retired CPA. CPA, okay. Yeah. All right, very good, very good. Well, great. Um, and and tell us a little bit, too. I know I know that, Bob, you've, you've uh, been very active on code panels um, with NFPA and, and uh, National Electrical Code. Can you tell yes, us a little I, bit about your involvement yeah, in there? I, I spent 20 years on Copanel 2, which mm-hmm. uh, does the calculations. It does uh, uh, the feeders and, and branch circuits and calculations for services. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I also served six years on a technical correlating committee, and I was the first non-union electrical contractor representative to be on the technical correlating committee. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that broke broke us in before the IEC had an automatic spot that it right. never been on. Right. You you helped to pave the way to be able to make that happen, make that opportunity happen. Well, uh, I was friends with all the people on the uh, technical correlating committee that were on the membership committees. I tried mm-hmm. to get them to put somebody else on there because I didn't really want the job. But they said right? if I applied, they would give it to me. And so I, I went ahead and took it. Well, we appreciate you doing that because, yeah, it's, it's been a, a great service, an opportunity that, that has continued to grow and flourish for IEC throughout the years. And we, you know, as you know, we've got um, we got IEC members on on every code making panel that that uh, NFPA has. So continue to have a very strong voice there. It's great. Yeah, at one time we only had co-panel two was the only one we were on. Really, that's a shame, isn't it? It's just you know looking back, but we got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. That's correct. Well, I'm I'm curious too, and and you know you 
you've you've had a long history and a long view within IEC. Um, where do you see things going in the future? How how is how can we continue to evolve as a an association um, to be able to serve the changing needs of the contractor? Well, you and I have talked about this before, but I think mm-hmm. you know that, that I feel that we need to put a lot of resources uh, into the uh, membership growth and mm-hmm. in the uh, educational department. Uh, mm-hmm. And have an educational part, rather than uh, 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 volunteers doing the job, yep. we need uh, a professional staff to do the job. Yep. And as far as membership, we have not put as much resources as I feel that we need. And I know mm-hmm. that there's a uh, move about to get some more resources. I hope it's enough and mm-hmm. it's timely. Right now, with the economy going like it is, that we could grow, I think, I understand we're at 2,402 contractor members right now, and I think we by 2025, we talked about it over this last week in Denver, I think our goal should be 7,000. That's uh, 10% of the total contractors in the United States. Mm-hmm. 10%, yeah, 10% did, and, and really work, yeah, significantly work on resources to be able to then push that, that membership forward. Why, why do you think that, what, what, what are the current objections to a, a contractor that's out there do they just not know about IEC, or is is there a different way that we can, you know, really knock on their door? Um, well, it depends on what it depends on what part of the country you're in. Uh, I know yeah. that in your old chapter in Denver and in uh, Niles chapter in Atlanta and Houston, mm-hmm. we do a lot of advertising on the radio and TV right. and stuff, so they know right. who we are. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these chapters cannot afford to do that. That's mm-hmm. where I brought up to the table that uh, getting iHeartRadio or some other group. And mm-hmm. We've talked about this, but instead of doing Pandora, which doesn't mm-hmm. do bring contractors in, if mm-hmm. you bring the contractors in, we will also get the manpower involved mm-hmm. with this. Mm-hmm. That's how I get 40 people today filling out our applications here. Right, right, right. They know, Tell, they know we represent over 200 contractors in the local area, and that's we're about 25% of the local market. Right, right. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, yeah, for folks that aren't familiar, um, a little bit about your, your marketing and messaging campaign there in the Houston area? When did well, you start doing it? What's your approach been? And, and yeah, you've had great well, success with that. We got on that. I heard earlier with a, a local talk show host, Michael Berry. He's mm-hmm. actually syndicated in several parts of the country now, and he's well thought of. And a lot of the contractors, they listen to him every morning when they're going to work. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, uh, he has got a good following. Well, mm-hmm. some people call us up and they join just because Michael Berry told them to. And, right. Uh, right. We we have tried the TV ad, but the TV ads were not paying off for us for the cost of them. Yep. We're still yeah. running right now. I don't think I'm going to mm-hmm. renew with it because the contractor to contractor contact through TV does not work as good as radio. Sure, sure. Yeah, there's, you focus on the radio when they're spending time in their trucks, target different different yes. uh radio stations and things like that yeah. yeah as far as the younger people we are uh we're uh what do you call it uh, stream live streaming on mm-hmm. uh uh over the internet and stuff off the radio stations but uh, gotcha. that's for the apprentices the live spots are for contractors gotcha gotcha interesting interesting that's great um you know bob i a lot of people consider you a, a, a mentor, um, including myself. I've, I've really looked up and admired you for a number of years and as we've worked together. Um, I'm curious, who, who do you consider a mentor? Who's been a very influential figure or figures in your life or, or maybe somebody you got right now that you could, you could share with us all? 
I've had a number of people that I've looked up to. Uh, uh, my mm-hmm. dad was one that really got me going mm-hmm. in the right direction, I guess. And the Navy helped me a lot, too. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. as far as the members of the, the like John Quibi that, that passed away two years mm-hmm. ago yesterday, yeah. Uh, yeah. he was a good friend of mine. We went on fishing together. Uh, yeah. We went on cruises together and vacations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a good relationship. Uh, J.C. Birch, who was a past president here, uh, mm-hmm. he went on those cruises with us, too. That's one thing about uh, this industry. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets to be friends. I have a hunting right. ranch with a thousand acres. Most everybody on there is from the IEC. From IEC. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It is. It's it's very relationship oriented. And it's it's kind of a a byproduct of coming together as as an IEC community, right? And we we come together for business needs. Is is the original push. Well, and, but then we end up making good friends for life, don't we? Yeah. Well, some of us. Uh, uh, who, who worked in a trade a long period of time. A lot of the guys that are contractors now, we used to work together with our tools yeah. when we were younger. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It's amazing. When is, is it go by in the, you know, looking back at all the years, does it seem like it's been the blink of an eye or does it depend? Well, I, it's been 55 <laughs> years for me, so I don't know about blink of an eye. <laughs> uh, Understood. Understood. Yeah. Oh. Um, you, you mentioned, too, in, in – um, you know, in your in your upbringing there, um, and and things that you yeah, your father being very influential, um, your time in, in the in the service, and and you know, thank you again for your service to the country, and can only imagine some of those experiences in in Vietnam, and and um, again we got a, a, a weave in there. So my, my father served in in Vietnam, and and is and and in the naval in the navy as well as well. So um, some connections there, but um, if you had the opportunity to go back in time. And share a bit of wisdom with your younger self, say at 17 years old. Do you think you what would you what type of wisdom would you impart if you could leave today for a couple of minutes just to go back in time and say something? Well, I would uh, not so much at 17 because mm-hmm. he's not gonna listen to anybody. But I think somebody <laughs> who's, uh, who's about 25 and he's uh, really starting out on his career to yep. make sure that you uh, save money and. Uh, you don't know how long you're going to live and what you're going to need in the future. Uh, yeah. I'm getting close to retirement in the next few years, so uh, mm-hmm. I've been looking at that, and I've probably run through a couple of fortunes in my life, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Understood. Understood. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, you... I'm, I'm starting on my second million. I gave up on the first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wish you all the best of luck with that. You'll, you'll get it this time. You'll get it this time. <laughs> Um, a little bit of wisdom, maybe to, to somebody that is out there listening, that's younger in their career, well, or even even somebody that's looking at this as a career opportunity. What would you share with them? Well, uh, you, you need to uh, get as much uh, knowledge as you can. I mean, uh, we offer offer all these uh, opportunities to have contract law, labor law, and billing law. Even mm-hmm. a guy that's a journeyman or, or a senior apprentice ought to start learning that stuff because if he wants to be in business one day or even be a high up in a company, having that kind of knowledge is like gold. You can right. use it anywhere. And, uh, right. and you, can, you can use the knowledge you get out of this anywhere in the country. So, uh, right. you know, it's uh, it's something that's invaluable. I'm surprised sometimes a lot of the younger people say, well, I won't want to do that unless my employer pays for it. Well, right. if it, he's not getting any out of it uh, until you already know something. Then you already know something. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. Well, yeah, because and, and, it's, it's opportunities that we provide, and it's opportunities also that our contractors work to provide 
which then gets into merit shop, right? That's right. Um, well, even, and even when I was at Union, uh, they offered courses and performance yeah. training and stuff like that. I paid for it myself. It, it's, it's investment. It's investment into you as an individual to be able to yeah, get ahead yeah. in your career, right? Well, my dad, when I got out of the Navy, he said, I need to get my master's license. He said, this union is not going to be here for you when you retire. Mm-hmm. And uh, they we, they used to have 67% of the work in Texas. Now they're down to 3%. So mm-hmm. he was pretty much right. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. Now, if if you were talking to a contractor, and, and you talk to tons of contractors every day, um, but somebody that's kind of on the fence and just starting to learn a little bit about IEC, you know, what what would you say to them and what they're missing out on? That, that, well, uh, I would tell anybody in any trade, you're better off to have some advocate for you as a group mm-hmm. than trying to be by yourself. If by you yourself. go down yeah. uh, to the city hall and you're speaking to the city council or whatever, if you're rec- representing one contractor, you don't have much of a voice. If you're re- representing 214 contractors with thousands and thousands of employees, that means mm-hmm. something. Right. Wow. Yep. That's that's exactly right. And that IEC, that's that critical mass. And the association, you know, you're right. Any any industry that you're in, you should look at being able to then, you know, have have your voice represented and, and working together with uh, common-minded folks. Well, it's just like that Vision 2025. If we mm-hmm. get to 10% of the market, we will be bigger than NECA or ABC has ever been in the electrical industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that would be huge. That'd be that'd be a huge revolution for the association and for being able to provide additional value back to all our students, all of our members, all of our chapters. Um, it would be three times our size. Yeah, you know, I mean that that that's tremendous. It, it, it's attainable, especially I think in the next six years, if mm-hmm. uh, we have the market we have now. I think mm-hmm. it's plausible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's why I'm urging National to uh, uh, put the resources together uh, to provide what it takes for the membership department. Absolutely, absolutely. We're we're going to continue to push and continue to get there. Um, we we have a common shared vision there. Um, there's there's a tremendous amount of opportunity. For uh, for serving the merit shop contractors and and we got to get our name out there stronger and we got to build our entire network absolutely. Bob, I'm curious uh, in your in your off time and, and you mentioned yeah you're, you're looking towards you know uh, retirement here sometime in the, in the years ahead. What do you do for fun? Oh, I go hunting and fishing. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I have a, a 20 foot uh, bay boat that I go out and. Uh, Bay down, mostly down the Rockport area, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I, my hunting lease, I got a thousand acres in South Texas. I've been on that for twenty years now. Wow. How far of a drive is that? Um, both the yeah for your fishing hole and yeah. Well, the fishing is about one hundred eighty miles. The hunting is wow. two hundred fifty miles. No, no stranger to sitting behind the wheel, are you? You can bang that yeah. out about. About an hour, hour and a half. <laughs> no, no. In Texas, uh, it, it takes me about four hours to get out of the hunting lease, and about right. uh, two and a half, three hours to get out of the fishing spot. You know. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. And and you, you spend a lot of time with family, and you know, a lot of grandkids. Um, I, I have uh, my son lives in uh, Dripping Springs, and I just my wife and I just bought another house in uh, in Wimberley, Texas, which is about uh, fifteen miles away from Dripping Springs. And Terrific. that's where I plan on retiring to. Yeah. Uh, when I'm not going to stay in a 
6.8 million city, I'm going to move to a 3,000 number right. town. Right, you know. right. And, and yeah, a little bit, yeah, slow down a little bit, yeah, get out of the city, um, enjoy, yeah, enjoy a little bit more of the countryside, and then be, be close to your grandkids and, and, and your, your boy. That's great. Well, I think that the uh, local citizens are used to be glad to get another old man off the road, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're, you're a good driver. I've, I've been in the car with you. You, you navigate oh. through traffic well. Yeah, well, I, I think I scared some of the ladies. They they always want me to let them drive, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. Understood. Um, I, I also want to ask you a little bit. I know you're active in, in your VFW. Um, tell, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I joined the VFW uh, about 10 years ago, and uh, I I got immediately elected to the House Committee, uh, which mm-hmm. controls the, uh, the canteen and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then uh, about four years ago, I got elected as commander uh, for the post. It was in, in bad financial shape. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was three years as commander. I just gave it up uh, this year in June. And uh, now I'm the uh, uh, vice commander for the district. For, mm-hmm. uh, for It covers 16 posts in, in the Houston metropolitan area. Yeah, wow. the Houston metropolitan area. Wow, that's great. That's great. And I, I didn't realize it was it was just ten years ago because uh, yeah, you've, you've served in leadership capacities and 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 there's a common thread I hear here too, Bob. Is is I mean, really you're you're a natural born leader, and uh, and when you get involved in things, you really roll up the sleeves and get involved, don't you? Well, I try to get other people involved too. And the one thing about any kind of success. It usually takes multiple people. The more right. people that you can enroll in helping you succeed, the more likely you are going to succeed. Right. Uh, and just like having active committees uh, in uh, your your post and in your uh, uh, chapter, uh, the mm-hmm. more people you get involved, and they start seeing the need to be involved, and they and you're uh, training future leaders to be in other capacity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the ball gets rolling there, and, and yeah, you build that critical mass, and then it. Takes a life of its own at that point, and, and more people own it, and more people contribute to it, which then makes it the best that it could possibly be. That's great. That's great. Well, well, Bob, I really appreciate you taking time to to share some of your story with us today. I think we're just scratching the surface at at some of this. But any anything, any parting words, any any uh, any tidbits that you'd like to share back with the, the IEC audience that's that's uh, going to be listening on to this. Well, I'm going to say this, that most of the people in the IEC uh, are the salt-of-the-earth type people, and exactly. they give you the, the shirt off their back, and they're mm-hmm. fun people to work with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. Well said. And, and that was, that's what makes us proud to come to work every day, isn't it, uh, to be able to then serve and, and the capacity to be able to lead these folks the best that we know how and to work with a great community of people um, that are building the, the infrastructure from coast to coast. In the well, electrical contracting industry, they're just not just members; they're friends. They are. You're right. You're right. Well, my friends, I, again, I appreciate your time today, and um, it's very inspiring and insightful. And um, you, you will continue to be a strong leader of IEC in the years ahead, as you have been in the years behind. Thank you, Bob. And thanks to all of our listeners out there. This has been another installment of the IEC podcast series, The Electrical Current. Check us out at ieci.org, and if you're interested in career opportunities within the electrical and systems industry, jump over to myelectriccareer.com. That's myelectriccareer.com to learn more 
and start on your path to achieve your dreams.